0: everybody and welcome to the two-man game here on claves online i'm bob ramsey that's matt rockio and we are getting ready for game six in the nba we have a couple other little tidbits uh to get to so before we get to the nba rock first of all how are you my friend i'm
1: doing great rammer how are you
0: doing very well i'm i'm fired up today because yes. i went to the first full team workout at st louis university which is those of you who don't know and maybe have joined us just during the nba playoffs um we talked billiken basketball and college basketball frequently in season but uh being the billiken guy it was uh i know i'd seen my broadcast partner earl austin he saw some individual workouts yesterday i saw the team workout today so we're equally excited about this club rock it was uh really some good stuff um first thing I loved, and I already knew it, but I love seeing again, Travis Ford out there teaching and coaching his ass off. It was, it was, um, he's not, he's a CEO, but he's not, doesn't act like one. He gets in there and works his tail off. And when he talked, there was a segment talking about free throw shooting and he goes, okay, we do it like this and hit like 10 in a row. And, and, but then he's out there showing defensive stance and, you know, uh, stick hand and, and, and um, back foot and front foot and where we want guys to go and where we're looking for help and where we don't want to help and where we're turning our guys and what, Hey, okay. Now in this situation, you go to the corner, what's the corner. And then say, this is the corner. If your foot is here, you're not in the corner and just the detail and uh, uh, the coaching um, St. Louis University is very fortunate to have Travis Ford and his staff.
1: Gosh, that yeah, I, I love hearing that. That's amazing. And by the way, uh, John Rothstein always lets us know. 144 days until the official start of college basketball. Here as we're as we're talking about. So, any, any other any any big you know just just I'm, I'm sure just you know it's in this time of the workouts. It's you know everyone's in the best shape of their life. Everyone's looking good. Shots are falling because it's practice and things like that. But it was there anything not necessarily from the workout, but just watching st louis get out there and play again that just kind of anything just kind of ticked through your brain just kind of any any takeaways tidbits just things you maybe thought about like oh i hadn't thought about that but seeing these guys get out here and run again this has got you know this has got the wheels turning a little bit
0: i'm glad you said the word run because this team a big part of the practice was running game Mm -hmm. they're gonna push 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 and shoot 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 this this is uh this is a, a phenomenal group in that regard. Now, they may not stack up sort of physical beast mode like when you go play Alabama or somebody and everybody's 6'8 and 230 and cut. And But the strength and conditioning people um, do a marvelous job and they were licking their chops ready to get all the new guys into the gym. They did their testing Couple of days ago, here's a couple of tidbits. Uh, who do you think has the highest vertical?
1: Um, oh, gosh. Um, upperclassmen or or. or, or no, Lord, I'll just give it um, to you because right. you
0: won't get it because the thought of it will be frightening. Gibson? Six foot nine Francis Okoro.
1: Okay, that makes sense. God bless.
0: He's he's dunk he's attacking the rim running and his head's his head's at the rim. <laughs> Another guy who we knew as a scorer, the leading junior college scorer in sincere Parker, all he does on drills is go dunk. Yeah. Got a great vertical and then here is the surprise. They do a gosh, I I can't remember the exact phrase, but there's the standing vertical and then there's the um Got adjusted. I don't know if you'd call it adjusted vertical or a two step, more of a practical vertical.
1: Yeah. Right? Okay.
0: One of the highest on the team, Nick Kramer from St. Oh. Louis U High. Oh, I like that. And, and, and this was what was funny because all of us, let's face it, we're all bigots. We would put him at the bottom of the list if you were going to p- predict, right? Don't lie.
1: It, well, here's the thing, and I'll say this—I'll be 100% honest. It's not only because of that. It's because when I asked some people um, about Nick Kramer and, and how much he could be, and you know, what's his kind of future with St. Louis, the two things I heard was. I don't know if his shot is quick enough, and I don't, and I don't know if he's going to get exposed on defense. And so to hear that he's that explosive vertically, usually if a guy's that explosive vertically, that means that he's got enough, you know, latent physical talent that the, you know, the lateral, as long as he's not out of shape, the lateral and those kind of things come to it. And then things like getting his shot quicker, he's got the quick twitch fi- fibers if he's jumping like that, which means you can work on that. So based off the early scouting report I heard about him when he was early in his senior year, a lot of growing can happen in that one year in the first place, and clearly I think it has. So just Hearing that stuff, that's why it's kind of shocking to me because you know if it, you know I, I, I that's why I said Gibson when you said you're not going to guess it earlier because um, that's very stereotypical. But with him, it was more of the scouting report I heard, and you. that tells me maybe he you know maybe his trajectory um, for his future at SLU where it was maybe six or eight months ago is a little bit different than it is now, which I kind of I just like hearing that you know kind of for the future.
0: Um, you know, the number is 38. God bless. That's not bad. <laughs> That's what I said.
1: That'll work. Well, we could we can work with that. And then you look at Hell, hell with that. I don't care if you're released a little slower. Just really just really elevate on that jumper. You'll be fine.
0: The uh you know, and then just he's so excited about all all the all the new guys. Uh Kellen Thames and Larry Hughes and and uh and Nick and Parker. Um if I'm leaving somebody out, I apologize. It's it's uh, the one guy that's not there is Momo Mamadou um, still dealing with all the things you have to do being an international student, makes
1: sense, and
0: going through all those procedures. So it might be, it might be another week or so before he gets in. Um, so it was it was exciting to be there. First day of practice. Hey, let me say this: every school should be excited first day of practice. Yes. So it makes me and Billiken fans no different from how fans all over the country should feel. You should feel excited about your team on day 1.
1: And quick little note you said run. I just think it's going to be interesting. We one of the big things we talked about with St. Louis last year was their versatility to play big, play bruising, play small, play fast. And I just think that this year the the versatility in their lineup is going to be from, you know, the you know the, the four up, essentially, is is we're going to see a similar style at the five pretty much no matter what. We're not really going to see, I don't think, any traditional, you know, five, four matchups as much. This is just going to be a team that gets out and runs, you know, 40 minutes a game, and, you know, you combine that with, with a disciplined – Team that Travis used to like to run defensively. Yeah. And with the way this offense has been able to progress now, that system that he's been getting in there, now being able to go kind of full bore into that four out uh, with the shooters, with the passer and Uri Collins. It's, it's, there's just so much to get excited about. And it's just kind of the, 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 the very beginning, if you will.
0: One more quick teaser and then we'll get to game six. Um, I'm not, I'm not lying. I'm admitting I didn't watch, I didn't zero. Laser focus on this individual all of the two hour practice, but every time I watched him a lot. Um, Javante Perkins is not, he did all the drills, he did everything. You can tell he's still compromised, he's still got a lot of rehab to do. But here's what I can tell you he didn't miss a shot for two
1: hours. God, you like hearing that? Doesn't surprise me. No, you like hearing that.
0: Can you go back and would Travis say, "Oh, yeah, he missed one here. You know, maybe I'm looking somewhere else if they're split on different ends of the floor or whatever." I didn't see him miss a shot. So, that's our little teaser.
1: There it is, little slew basketball talk in, uh, in in mid-June. So, let's get
0: to uh, let's get to game 6. That's what everybody wants it. to talk let's about. They it. want to get your thoughts on it. Um, I um, I sort of got another game right. <laughs> Um, what I what what I didn't realize or didn't credit to the script I wrote, Rock, was that the Celtics fell back into that turnover mode. Yep. They out rebounded. And I thought if they'd out rebound, they'd win, <clears throat> but that doesn't work if they give it back with turnovers.
1: What yeah.
0: The point about rebounding is to limit Golden State's field goal attempts. Well, if you give it right back, you're wasting the rebounding effort.
1: Yeah, it, that that's the, and, and it was all kind of balanced out by when they weren't turning the ball over, because the, the turnovers were a little bit weighted towards uh, the fourth quarter. When they weren't turning the ball over, they weren't hitting shots in the first, and that's why it was such a huge deficit. Um, it wasn't necessarily bad offense in the first, it was just they, they couldn't hit a shot to save their life. And then they kind of get the game right a little bit. The second and third go their way. The third completely goes their way. Uh, they're able to climb back in with, you know, outscoring them by 11 or 12 there in the third. Uh, they attacked Curry in a really interesting way, I thought, throughout the third um, before kind of losing it early in the fourth and that kind of being the being the death knell, if you will. It was a really interesting game in a lot of ways. I think that I, – I still think when I'm hearing everybody else, people are seeing – I I might be – maybe I'm biased. Maybe I'm just watching this with, you know, SCL-colored glasses. But I, I just, I'm just not as down on Jason Tatum throughout this finals as, as – a lot of people have been, and I'm not sure. And again, maybe I'm being biased, but like, again, was he fantastic? Was he was he incredible? No. Did he miss too many shots at the rim? Was he not driving the ball? Yes. But 27 points on on 20 shots with with 10 rebounds and four assists when you're essentially being doubled every play, I, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna scoff at that. Again, it's not dominating. It's not LeBron. It's not to that level. But I'm I'm just I think we're seeing a guy who's turned 24 two months ago and is playing in his first finals and is part of essentially an eight-man rotation that is now playing, you know, game 104 or something along those lines. This this team, he, he clearly – I mean, he's not driving the ball the same way he was even in game three when we talked about them getting that big win late. He's not driving the ball. No one else is driving the ball. Al Horford hasn't been the same player since game one. It's just the Celtics look a little, you know – rough right now, especially as we get later into these games.
0: Well, I wonder what people say when they win tonight. But anyway... I think they um, are going
1: to... That's the thing. I think they are going to win tonight, because the games haven't been that different. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's, everything's been double digits, but not a single game is that a reflective score. Right. And, right. and, and so and that's what's been insane is like you know, even even game even game uh, five wasn't a reflective score of how that game went for the most part and the big swings, but just you know, these teams just murder each other at the end of the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then um you kind of lay your groundwork on how that fourth quarter is gonna go earlier in the game, and particularly the third quarter tells you a whole lot about it.
1: And um Does it yeah, teams keep teams keep surviving? Uh, the runs the in the third, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's
0: it's really incredible. Draymond Green, as I said, bounced back. Yep. So I'm going to take that credit. Yep. Um, And and uh, I think that back home, the Celtics have to play – well, this is – never mind, it's a dumb statement. But to get to game seven, they've got to take the defense up one more notch. Well, how if you weren't giving it your – I'm not saying they weren't given a better effort. They've just got to be better. You've got to go up one more notch, and that's being a pro, that's being a champion. And if they can do that, they'll win tonight. I think it's Tatum at the rim. I think it's uh, Marcus Smart. Um, I think they need a game where Marcus Smart is a dominating player on both
1: ends of the floor. Yeah, and maybe maybe that's the biggest factor that we're not talking about is just how subtle um... – Oh, I mean, no. There was there was two games there, wasn't there? Yeah, there, I mean, there were two games. I mean, there were that's, that's that's the thing. There were two games two days between games four and five. That, that should have been enough for, for them to get their legs under, yeah. even though they're going away. So maybe coming back and getting those two days, that's what Tatum and those guys need. Because, again, I'm just worried about his ability to get to the rim right now, not for any skill-wise reason, it's just that Tatum usually in the first place, even when, even you know, game 24 of a regular season, when he's a tip-top shape, he's not going to beat everybody with his first step. He's, he's bigger, stronger, and more skilled, and he's got those wide-ass shoulders that he knows how to use. That's what his game is, and so you know, he's one of those guys where if you take away even the little bit he's got on that first step, now he's not the same threat from the perimeter. And guys like Andrew Wiggins and such can stay in front of him a little bit easier. Um, so I, I, just, I do wonder about, you know, the rotation. I, I wonder the same thing with Robert Williams. You know, is Grant Williams, uh, you know, shot completely disappearing because his legs are tired? But I don't think you can deny missing uh, having three air balls and missing as many free throws as Jason Tatum and the entire Celtics team did, that this isn't a team that's kind of, you know, running on fumes at this point. And again, that shouldn't be shocking. They've been an eight-man rotation since January. You know, team, yeah. usually, we always we we always talk about rotations on this show, and it's, you know, you know they're a 12-man rotation now. How do they go down to eight in the playoffs? But if you don't ever have the 12-man in the regular season, things get kind of, Things get a little squirrely at times when when you got to go de- when you got to stay at that eight, and then you go on this long run that that starts to wear on you. And so I think that's a real live factor in this game. And then you have to add on all the other things, which is you know how are the Warriors going to play the fact that the Celtics started taking away that space that Steph was getting in the high pick and roll, which took away a lot of his really open three point shots. You know how are they going to continue to play Jason Tatum? Are they going to continue to say, hey, you're going to have to beat us with passes and, and the rest of it your drives. team, Grant Williams is going to have to hit threes for you to really beat us. Or are they going to maybe say, listen to find Tatum, this is going to be one game where we're going to, we're going to make sure no one else beats us. And you're going to have to send this one back to, to, uh, to San Francisco. There's a lot of things there, but for me, I just, I can't get over the fact that that team looked run down at the end of game five.
0: That's a really interesting point. And, um, and it's probably true, and tonight they can't use it as an excuse.
1: No, I mean, it's not an excuse, but I mean – Yeah, no, the, I
0: know, and I'm just saying yeah, – the, Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I'm going to say that I agree. They they can't do that, and they need good games from everybody, and then and then they'll need it again for game seven, but you can't worry about game seven until you get this one tonight. And if guys start looking ahead, I mean, if you've got to completely – Empty the tank tonight. Yep. Complete well. To, then what do I have for Game Seven? Again, forget Game Seven.
1: It doesn't exist. Win yeah. six. Yeah, this is, yeah. It's, you, you gotta you gotta win this one no matter what. Which is why I think there's also kind of a, a, an interesting subplot in Robert Williams the third and and him yeah. pushing himself on that knee. Isaiah Thomas chimed in on Twitter. Kind of t- quote retweeting him with it was a headline that says Robert Williams says um, or Celtics sure Robert Williams that continuing to play on his knee won't hurt his future and Isaiah Thomas quote retweeted that and was like yeah that's what they told me and so you know there's there's a you know there's kind of people saying well you know it's a game six to. Potentially put a ring on your finger in a, in a game. You got to keep on pushing yourself. This is what you play for. So there's even those those little threads of like should a Robert Williams push himself beyond 33, 36 minutes in a game because they need him to play 40, 42, and, and kind of those kind of things. And, and that's that's the fun thing about championship uh, about you know championship sports at, at, at this level. It's really interesting. Um, you know, what there's so many Isaiah, different layers. What did
0: they tell Isaiah Thomas right before he ruined the CBA? You don't remember that's before your time when he took over the continental basketball association <laughs> were, see, that had were, been in, that had been in business since before the NBA. There's, and there's, was...
1: there's, there's one Isaiah Thomas and then there's a different Isaiah Thomas. Oh, yeah, okay. One of them won championships. <laughs> I, yeah. There's one and then another. Yeah, you're right. Both you're very right. good, but very, right. very different no,
0: You know, um, good. I was a Utah jazz guy. So I always, <laughs> I always look for ways. Um, no, the, uh, you know that is interesting because um, what, what do you win? It, what do you win it for? And there really isn't a wrong answer, but in the end, it's a team sport. And do you want to be a champion? And what are you willing to do? And if you say, "Well, I'm going to compromise my career," I may never get an opportunity. I can't blame a guy for saying, "I've got to." I got a chance for generational financial making a financial difference generationally. I don't blame a guy for that. This sorry, can, No, can go me, ahead.
1: I, this is this is a, a much larger critique on just all of sports. We always pick and choose in sports when it's a when it's a team game and when it's a business, or when it's you know, when it's when it's just a game or, or it's a business, or when it's you know, the, for the love of the game or just a business. it, it always seems to be that there's these two active dichotomies and we pick and choose when we want to treat sports at the professional level, like one thing and like the other thing. And different people in the sport get to treat it like one thing. And then other people have to treat it like another thing. And that I think is just, it's an interesting thing that just, that bothers me a little bit is that Robert Williams is supposed to make the decision for the best for the team and for the love of the game and for the, and for that kind of thing. But you know, we don't expect every single owner in every single league to, you know, lose money to try to go to win championships every year because it's a business. Right. And and so it's just it's an it's it's a weird way that people kind of push those two different things, because, I, I mean, again, if you're going if to it, if it's both a sport and a business, then you have to give it equal weight to your point, which is my future is another contract when my knees are healthy.
0: Exactly right. There's a great my favorite football movie of all time north dallas 40 and uh the late john matuzak has a line in there where he's yelling at one of the coaches who and he's, he's right before the or right after then they lost the game and and uh spoiler alert 40 year old movie sorry <laughs> and he's he's basically screaming at the guy and he says every time i call it a business you call it a game and every time i call it a game you call it a business you're all and then yeah. he had some expletives to the front office.
1: My wisdom is original, but not new.
0: No, it's
1: never been better stated.
0: That dichotomy, your word. I love and, the way,
1: man. I gotta find, I gotta find that that movie quote and put it in, in in my phone and my laptop and everything I could use to possibly play it for people.
0: John Matuzak, North Dallas Forty. But and that that is the issue, especially since free agency became a part of the world of professional sports in the fifties and sixties. And for some sports, even into the seventies, you could go, Hey, I get world series money or I get playoff bonus money, Mm -hmm. winning a championship and making money are tied together. But since free agency, which is how it should be, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: let us let someone ply their wares, you know, but since free agency winning and the money have been separated and that's it's so in a regard it's hurt all sports
1: while we're on so tangents I'm going to make one more tangent because you're mentioning free agency uh Saturday night 7 p.m after Jackie on the on the history on a history channel it's, it's a documentary about Baseball after Jackie Robinson and one of the and they, they, they chronicle a lot of Cardinals. Kurt Flood's one of the big guy they talk about for very good reason, obviously a man who changed, who changed the game and things like that so like it, you, you talking about that made me think about that and I just want to remind people because I'm, I'm, I got it I already got it saved on my DVR YouTube TV actually. what channel will that be uh, History Channel
0: on the history channel yeah and, and our, I our... Know it also has contributions from our boss the fantastic Mike Claiborne.
1: Who was on MLB Network the other day talking about it, which I thought was awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so, but anyway. And that's why
0: it's Klebs online and not Rock Online or Rammer Online.
1: Exactly, because I was watching him on the television while he was on the television. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah. um, ben... So
0: let's, let's get back to game six tonight. Um, I I think the Celtics win because I think they will sell out. I think they'll completely sell out. They'll empty the tank. I think Brown – I think Brown will be good. I think Smart elevates. I think Horford. Now, he may not give you a 30. He already he already had a big offensive game, but I think he plays well. They, I, I think they do everything right, and they win.
1: Just don't turn the ball over, and this is going to be a four-point game at the two-minute mark. And at that point, the question comes down to, can Jason Tatum score, you know, can he win a game in the last minutes of a fourth quarter? The way he did, the way he did at the beginning of a fourth quarter in the third. I think it's I really going to come down to that. Just do not turn the ball over. It's crazy how simplified this series has come down to that. We're literally talking about things like, don't turn the ball over, rebound well, and don't let them get on it in transition too much. And it's like, it's like, cool, those were my three bullet points when I was coaching sixth grade basketball three weeks ago. How in the hell is that still what plays through? But that's the thing about basketball is that at the most complicated levels there are still these basics a guy can be you can be talking about 12 10 you know 12 dudes who can windmill dunk and rock the cradle every single time they come down the court but it still comes down to can you box out and throw a pass to somebody in the correct jersey
0: what uh what's your record
1: what in, in the this the, the series so far no sixth grade Oh god, I know I wasn't you know what? I wasn't coaching. No one wants me. No one <laughs> usually people ask me to see how I shoot a free throw and it's like the Travis Ford experience where like you can't shoot free throws. I don't want you coaching my child. <laughs> it's like, you know what? I have great theory but I'm 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 not I'm not I'm not practical or experimental if you will.
0: I think I think you're the perfect bench coach.
1: I think I'd be a fantastic bench. Listen, no, no doubt. Listen, take away take away the nervousness, but keep the uh, overwrought Shakespeare metaphors. And I think I could be I think I could be a good Jason Siegel in winning in, in winning time, and you know that that kind of version of a basketball coach again, including the overwrought Shakespeare metaphors. Um, I think I could do kind of like that kind of thing. It's like give me give me a, give me a way too smart coach with a really complicated system. I got this. Let's do this.
0: No, I think you're right, and I think. Um... Uh, I think it's it, your situation would be kind of like the best job of all in any industry is consultant. Well, hey coach, oh, yeah. here's what I think you ought to do.
1: Oh yeah, and then, and then when it goes it, <laughs> and then we and then when it goes wrong, it's like man, that coach made a weird decision there. I yeah. listen. I mean, I just gave I just gave him the numbers. He made the decision. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's that's it. Is the consult the real the real the real you know. Big big steal away is the guy in football who tells the guy, well, it's a thirty three percent chance here if you go for two, and then he goes for it. It's like, well, I just told him the percentage chance. I didn't call the play. <laughs> that's that's the best job. But um,
0: so it's funny tonight. We keep talking. It's it sounds like we're we're uh, we're in Boston doing the show. That it it it's sound like all we're in it's Boston. all war. It's all uh, Celtics centric. Um, well, what about the Warriors? Can they have the kind of game they need? What if the, is it possible? for them to be unconscious for, unconscious from the three-point line?
1: I think the it, it's going to be telling early on in the first, uh, like I said earlier, how Boston continues their defensive coverage of Steph Curry. Do they do they continue what they did in the fourth quarter and in the third quarter um, of game five and start closing out on Steph a lot earlier on those high – screen and rolls. And if they're able to do that and he continues to not be able to get off clean looks, I think that's something they're going to go to go to town on. And then on the other side in the third quarter when they took a, when they kind of climbed back into the game, they attacked Steph possession after possession after possession after possession. So the fact that they've made those two tactical moves, I like them, but I wonder what is the Warriors' response to those cuz the Warriors is all the Warriors right. are all about point, you know, punch counterpunch. So what is the Warriors counterpunch to those two changes that we saw the the Celtics lean on to make that a game in game five? And I think that's a big question. My other one is again Stephen Curry's not gonna have another game where he goes 0 and nine from three. That's just not gonna happen. No. But at the same time but at the same time, Andrew Wiggins is not going to do that again. He's a great player. He's completely accepted a new role which is easy when you're getting paid more than the other pay- uh, players on your team who have a bigger role, but nonetheless. Um, he's accepted his new role. He's gotten better. He's uh, adjusted to the parts of his game that we all thought he had when he came out of Kansas, but that he never really brought to the table in the NBA, while at the same time accentuating the parts that he actually did bring to the NBA, which is volume scoring when you need it and really good rebounding. But now he's added defense and, and, and the other intangibles. But, I mean, I, I just think this is people fall into a trap. Andrew Wiggins scored 26 shots on or 26 points on 23 shots and went over 6 from deep In that game, so yeah, he played out of his mind, and people want to talk about, hey, he played out of his mind. But tell me how that's that much different from from Jason Tatum's scoring line and how much he wants the game he had, and it's not. And that's why I think, and that's why chasing box, that's why only looking at box scores is different, because you cannot watch that game and tell me that Andrew Wiggins didn't have an outsized, more important role to the game than Jason Tatum. He just did. He outplayed him. There's no doubt about it. He's outplayed him literally since Jason Tatum went three for four on him one-on-one in Game 3 to give the Celtics a 2-1 lead. He's outplayed him completely. And so he's not going to have that kind of game again. And if he's asked to, that will benefit the Celtics. So the big question is, how do they play Stephen Curry? How do they attack Steph Curry? And essentially from there... Can Jason Tatum do enough? Because no matter what you want to say, Jason Tatum is going to have to do a lot. The reason why Jalen Brown's had big games is because of the gravity of Jason Tatum, the way that a defense is pushed and pulled by his presence. But again, I, I think this is one of the few things I've been right about in this finals is that the Warriors want him to be 24-12 and 12 and not 35-5. and five. And they continue to say, listen, we know you're going to get your points, We know, but – can you consistently be a playmaker? And he has been at times. But a lot of bad turnovers as well. But he has been at times. The shooters haven't been there. He's been a, He's had turnovers other times. And then again, I bring in the third factor. Is the fatigue forcing him to be too much of a jump shooter playing too far out from 12 feet out instead of getting in 12 feet inside? Those are the big things in the Tatum realm, and those are the big things in the Curry realm, because I think it's cliché. Especially when you talk about two guys who maybe aren't necessarily matching up too much. But it's just, this is going to be telling what the stars do tonight. And, and, and sometimes, again, basketball simple. Sometimes the NBA version is pretty simple too. Stars matter in game sixes of NBA finals. Flat out, no doubt.
0: So, what's the call for tonight? What do you got? I'm
1: I'm still gonna go. I'm still gonna go with the Boston Celtics. I think they got one more game in it. Again, if you're telling me, like you were saying earlier, you got one more game. You got 48 minutes to survive. I don't care how dead we are in seven. I don't care if we're all got broken legs and snapped femurs. We we made it to seven, and that's tomorrow. We'll figure it out. You got to get there, and I think that this Warrior, this Celtics team, in a last-ditch effort. This is a mindset that has been born into this team since January. Just keep on chugging. Eight guys, keep on chugging. They're down to like six now, but keep on going. And so I think they got one more in them at least. That's why I think it's Game Six. Jason Tatum isn't going to have an, an, another. Um, the people around Jason Tatum aren't going to have another bad game. He's going to calm down a little bit in Boston. He's not going to have the bad turnovers, and just those little bits on the margin will be enough to to beat a Warriors team that, again, is going to look about the same you know, scoring-wise, efficiency-wise, but it's going to look different. It's going to come from Steph Curry. It's going to come from play a little bit more, and I don't think we're going to see that from Wiggins.
0: I got Celtics 102-94.
1: I like that you said 102. 102 is a good number. It's, It's funny you said that. Um that's that's kind of the number that I, I I I saw. Really? Yeah, it was it was another number. It, who was it? It was um. Oh, it was um Chris Vernon and um, Kevin O'Connor over at The Ringer. Chris Vernon, the, the Memphis guy uh, who who does a podcast with Kevin O'Connor. He was talking about how his big thing was if you're the Celtics, the fact that you lost a game where a team scored like 102 or 104 is pathetic. And how you just, you just got to beat if, – if you're, if you're going to hold a team to 102-104, you got to win the game. So the fact that you settled in on 102 for the Celtics, just it popped into my brain. And I was like, I remember that number from this morning when I listened to their podcast. By the way, their podcast is very good. You should listen to it on uh, everything you can. They do a great job.
0: Now, one more thing about this series, and this is sort of – only sort of off the court and intangible. A story that we got earlier in the week.
1: Yes, thank you so much for telling me about this. So, there is—you might have seen him if you were tied into the NBA. There is a Clay Thompson impersonator, and it's one of those things where you can't give yourself a nickname because uh, it means you kind of suck if you do. Uh, this guy did not give himself that nickname because somebody saw him and they were like, "Yeah, you look like Clay Thompson." He, he and he would go to to Warriors games in the jersey. And he looks just like him. Slightly different. He's got a little bit little bit fuller in the face, but an unbelievable impersonation. Well, after kind of running this game throughout the last five, six years as the Warriors have been so good, the man took a shot, and you cannot blame him for it. He got geared up in his Clay Thompson gear, threw the hood over his head, kind of scrunched it up a little bit, and then went walking straight through Chase Center Security, and nothing happened. No one stopped him. At some point, there's a video you can find on his Twitter where he somebody said, "Got onto the
0: court, right?" He,
1: yes. Well, on his way to the court, somebody says, "Let's go get a dub, Clay." And it's like like a security person walking past him. And it's just like, what is happening? He gets out onto the court, and that's where uh, that's where it all goes poorly. He gets a couple shots up in the warm up, and then obviously, you know, the the jig is up. Um, you know, you you gotta you gotta figure this one out. They figured it out. Security got on him, and now he has been banned from Chase Center for life. Um, he he had tickets to the game, actually. Uh, he's lost those tickets, obviously. Um, so he said he lost twelve grand. He said he lost twelve thousand dollars, but he said he wouldn't trade the experience for everything in the world because he got out on the court in his entire Clay Thompson getup. I you know what? I respect the hustle. If you're the Warriors and they won't do this because despite the fact that they're used to be fun and from Oakland, they're not from San Fran and they have a stick up their ass, um, they're boring. Like I I used to love the Warriors. They're so boring now. They're so corporate. It makes me so it, it bums yeah. me out. They should yeah. have done something fun with this. This should have been this should have been an opportunity to say like let's swoop in here, have some fun, screw around. Yeah, we, we you know, let, let's make, you know, hell, let, let's make let's like hell make it like a little thing about how like the security at your stadium is not a real joke and like have some like, you know, take some momentum and run with this. And this is what they would have done when they were the eighth seed playing in Oakland in those ugly ass jerseys, but now they're corporate and they're in San Francisco and they're boring and they're fuddy-duddy and they banned the guy and and immediately ran it out. And that makes me sad.
0: There is a, uh, we could go into a whole thing on philosophies. We could do a whole nother talk show on when you get onto the playing field my theory is, all bets are off. All <laughs> civil rights are gone. Whatever happens, happens.
1: Yeah, I like when I like when a security guard takes takes uh takes a, a little lot, liberty. I in like an it. If a football field
0: and a linebacker takes your head off, mm, too bad. Yeah. If, if you jump onto a baseball field and a player tackles you, or a pitcher throws a ball at you, or whatever, <laughs> has that ever happened? Not that I'm aware of. Oh, I'm damn. just saying. Okay. My philosophy is. You literally cross the line. You're on your own. However, there are times when you can, with this in the warm-up, have a little fun. You can tell the guy privately, let's don't do this again. Yeah. But, and maybe say, oh, your seats are down here. Well, now forever, they're up here. We sure hope you keep coming to the games. Or maybe even do a look-alike day and have fun with it.
1: And like I said, like, make him like make him do like a make him be like, hey, we're going to do a couple of videos where we have fun with the fact that you look like Clay Thompson. we're also going to do a, a series of videos where like you got to like be like the person who like is like a spokesperson for like security,
0: trespassing, and, and like and yeah, like,
1: like it, it could have been fun. That's the kind of stuff you got to do in the social media age. I think is have have a little fun with it. I again, yeah. Maybe, and maybe there's some people out there who are going to say, listen, you trespass and that's dangerous and those kind of things. And I understand that that, that point, And I'm not trying to be all boring, but like, and th- that's real and everything like that. But I just think that that's hilarious. Balance. Um, also, reading the reading the letter they gave, it was very standard boilerplate. You know, you were found in, in trespassing. If you go in this statement, you know, if you go on the premises, you'll be in violation of criminal trespass. Um, all very boilerplate. But it does bring me to something I've, I've been wanting to talk about uh, on the air in some capacity for a very long time. Uh, Kaiser Permanente is the most threatening sounding company name that I've ever heard in my entire life. And I can't explain why, but it's weird and it's always creeped me out. And I just want to I just want to get it out there. It's been boiling in my what mind for mean, a while. Long... Is Kaiser...
0: that a Tarant- that's a Tarantino character?
1: Kaiser Permanente being the name of a being the name of a health insurance group in California has never not been the weirdest damn thing. I've ever seen in my. it weirds me out every time I hear Kaiser Permanente I can't help but just be like what is happening right now how is that a name that is ex- like was chosen it creeps me out every time I don't know why it, it, maybe it's just yeah it's maybe just like yeah Tarantino kind of sounding you know right just, there in my ear I don't know what it is yeah, exactly. It's the weirdest thing in the world. It's Kaiser Permanente. It freaks me out every time, and it, it's at the top. And you know, it's always associated with the Warriors. And I've watched a lot of Warriors. It's never not been weird. I've done research on the company. Um, the origin of the name is. It, it, it makes no it makes. I mean, it's weird as hell. I, I get old, it. They're
0: from an old Eastern Bloc country. I'm sure.
1: I'm sure. Yeah, it's 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 a weird ass company name, and I, I I wanted to talk about it because I I knew you of all people would understand the fact of why I'm so crazy. I mean, just it's just like the the word Kaiser doesn't hit my unless it's unless it's like followed by Roll, um, it doesn't hit my it doesn't hit my ear right. <laughs> That's the only time and Again, it was it was, it was founded it was founded by a guy named by a guy with the last name Kaiser and it's not his fault. The Permanente part weirds me out. They were the guy the other guy who found his name was like Garfield. That's much more like I I'm I'm conditioned to be okay with Garfield. That makes me feel safe. That makes me feel like I'm going to get good health care. And both
0: the Kaiser and Garfield were both assassinated. Oh. We got to go. We both have the Celtics tonight. Absolutely we do. That's Matt Rocchio. I'm Bob Ramsey. Glad you were with us on Two Man Game, even though we veered. And uh, obviously always here on Claybs Online. We'll talk to you, I guess, Monday, right, Rock? I guess so. We'll see what happens. We'll put a bow on it on Monday. Thanks for joining us from our route in st louis royal banks of missouri is branching out to continue serving you with our locations in st charles jerseyville granite city and now in hannibal center and new london royal banks of missouri the community bank in your community at st louis Ac- at st louis acura new inventories arriving daily both new and pre-owned our buying team adds a higher level of personalized service that others can't match. We sell over 100 pre-owned vehicles monthly, and many of these are matched by our buying teams in Missouri and Illinois. As new Acura production ramps up, be one of the lucky ones to try the newest Type S models now available. Performance has never been so stylish and comfortable. St. Louis Acura remains committed to becoming better than ever for you.